I went to church one day just to hear them sing and pray. The preacher firmly plowed the gospel plow. Now he said, you must repent. So down the aisle I went. Now it's different. So different now, different now, it's Jesus saved my soul, it's different now, since by his blood I'm whole, now old Satan had to flee when Jesus rescued me. It's different, yes, it's all so different now. country boy soul I knew not how but praise the Lord it's done the victory now is won now it's different yes it's all so different now it's different now since Jesus saved my soul it's different now, since by his blood I'm whole. Now old Satan had to flee when Jesus rescued me. Now it's different, yes it's whole. So different now.
When Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the I am the almighty God. Walk before me. Be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and between thee, and I will multi- multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make the nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and the generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee to, and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and the seed after thee, and land wherein thou art stranger in all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession will I be their God. And God said to Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee and their generations. This is my covenant, which, is, which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every male man child, child after you shall be circumcised. You shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between, betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man child in your generations. He that is born in the house or brought with money of any stranger, which is not of the, thy seed. He that is born in thy house, and he that is brought with money must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man-child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people, and he hath, he hath broken my covenant. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not, shall call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall thy name, name be, shall her name be. I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Somebody answer that, will you? Tell him I said hello. And Abraham shall, shall fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abram said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will, be, I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with the seed after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, will make him fruitful. I will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. My covenant shall shall I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at at this set time in the next year. And he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. And Abram took Ishmael, the son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were bought with money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of the foreskin in the selfsame day as God had said unto him. And Abram was ninety years old and nine when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael his son was thirteen years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And the same self day was Abraham circumcised in Ishmael his son. And all the men of the of his house, born in the house, bought with money of a stranger, were circumcised with him gracious father we thank you for your word we thank you for this opportunity once again and we thank you for the precious promises that go to the in the covenant that the abrahamic covenant where we learn so much more about you how you are a god that we can trust that we we can have faith in who never breaks his word 
is always dependable, never changes. Or as, the, as you kept your promise to Abraham, you always keep your promise to us. Help us to trust you more, to not lean on our own understandings, not lean on our own thinking, our own, our own ways, but simply follow you with childlike faith. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So at this point in, your, in, our, in our text, we understand that God, oh, no mic. I'm sorry, bro. Yes, now? Can you hear me now? Okay, that is good. That's good. At this point, we understand that God had called Abram, Abraham from Ur of Chaldees. He went with uh, his father eventually and Sarai and Lot to the land that God had called him to. There was a famine. From that famine, he went down to Egypt for a time. And there, as we looked at, he was uh, caught up in the, the world, the things of the world. In that situation, he, Sarai was, was taken by Pharaoh. Eventually, he would gain much stuff, much many things. He'd get caught up in the world. And as I said before, you can go into the world and leave the world. But just because you leave the world doesn't mean the world's not in you. That's why you have to choose every day not to be caught up in this world because the world, by its very nature, wants to destroy you. That's why the Bible says, love not the world, nor the things of the world. For he that loveth the world cannot, is, cannot basically be love the Father. It's a choice we make, we make every day to love God. He went down into the world, came out with Hagar. Of course, last week we talked about that relationship between Hagar and, and Abraham. There was a a time of waiting where nothing was happening. So what did, what, did, what did Abraham do and Sarah do? They came up with plan B. Plan B is never God's will for your life. Always stick with plan A. Whenever you go plan B and start going off what God wants you to do, it's always a mistake. People say, well, well, didn't God use it? Well, maybe God used it, but it's never his will. Always stick to his will. God has a will for your life. How do you find the will, your, will of God's life? By staying in the word of God. The only way you're going to know the will of God is to be in the word of God. If you're not in the word of God, you're not going to know the will of God. I love what Brother Paulie was saying. I listened to a little bit. He was preaching to the teens last week. He said, how can you know the will of God for your future if you're not doing the will of God today? People say, well, I want to know what God wants me to do 10 years from now, 20 years from now. See, if you're not, if you're not doing the will of God today, you, don't worry about the will of God 10 years from now. If you're not reading your Bible today, if you're not praying today, if you're not faithful in giving, if you're, not, if you're not sharing the gospel with people, if you're not doing the expressed will of God, and all of those things I just said are the expressed will of God for every Christian, no exception. From the preacher to the youngest person in the pulpit, in, in, in the pew. Every person is supposed to read their Bible. Every one of us should pray. Every one of us should give. Every one of us should share the gospel. Those are the foundations. Those are the fundamentals of the faith. If you're not doing the fundamentals, dear friend, you, can't, you shouldn't be asking God, what do you want me to do? He wants you to do those. Start with that. Start with being in your praying. Start with asking God, Lord, show me more of your word. Show me more of you. Start with the fundamentals. Whether it be basketball or football or whatever sport, if you're not good at the fundamentals, you can't go very far in that sport. So what happened? There was a time where, <coughs> unfortunately, Abraham made a bad choice and listened to his wife. And they had, he had a child with Hagar, which was Ishmael. He could not wait. They could not wait. 
So today we're looking at the potential of faith in Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 27. He could not wait. Because he could not wait, he had to marry Hagar, uh, had to have a relationship with Hagar. And because of that, they produced a child. I listened, uh, I looked at an interesting uh, illustration. It said an, a naturalist once took a cocoon of an empire uh, emperor moth and kept it in his study for months. Hoping to witness its emergence in due time, the cocoon was, was flash-shaped with a narrow opening at the neck through which the moth could emerge. The great difference between the narrow opening and the size of the moth made the naturalists wonder how the insect would ever get out of the prison. At last the day came, and all the, mor and all the morning, the man watched the struggles of the insect, never seemed to get beyond a certain point. The struggle to emerge is what focuses the fluids of the moth's body into the wings and makes it possible for it to fly. The naturalist did not know that, and his patience exhausted, he decided to help things along. With the point of his scissors, he carefully snipped the confining threads to make the exit just a little bit easier. At once, the moth crawled out with perfect ease, but the naturalist watched in vain to see the gorgeous wings expand and fill. They never did. His impatience and false kindness had ruined the moth. It never became the, the anything but a stunted abortion crawling painfully through the brief life it should have spent flying through the air on rainbow wings. We oftentimes get impatient for things. But in that time of waiting, God is testing you. He is trying you. He is helping you to learn lessons that you must have before you can fly in this world. It's always a mistake to hasten the work of God. That's why it's key in life to listen through the instructions of God. It's key to know the word of God. It's key in every area of life to listen to instruction. If you can't listen to instruction and heed instruction, you're going to struggle in every area of your life. Listen to instruction and obey the instruction. Don't get yourself off of, well, I think I'll do it my way. No, your way is the way of disaster, friend. Your way is the way of pain. Your way is the way of regret. Your way is the way of failure. Do it God's way. I see so many people making just plain out stupid decisions because they went out on their own without taking the time to seek wise counsel. The Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. You say, well, preacher, I felt like it. No, you shouldn't have felt like that. Feelings come and go. They fluctuate like the wind, like the rain on a, on a Sunday night in north central Florida. No, dear friend, don't go by feelings. Go by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Abraham had, a, had a, a lapse of faith, a lapse of faith. But everyone in this room has been times in our lives we've had lapses of faith, amen? Thank God just because we fail, <laughs> he, still, he doesn't look at us and, say, and write us off and say failure. Thank God we, the just man falls seven times and, and rises up again, amen? So we see this potential of faith. We see tonight what is known as the Abrahamic covenant, one of the most important utterances in all of human language. First of all, this evening we see the how the covenant was received, how the covenant was received in verses 1 through 16. 
in, first of all, in absolute subjection. Verses 1 through 3 of chapter 17, in absolute subjection. There are three names of God in verses 1 through 3. First of all, the Lord, Jehovah, appeared unto Abraham. He spoke, he spoke as the Almighty God, the El Shaddai. And God, Elohim, talked with Abraham. Jehovah of the Old Testament is Jesus of the New Testament. El Shaddai is the satisfier who pours himself into believers' lives to make them fruitful. Elohim is God in the ultimate absolute, absolute sense. Thus we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I cannot remind you, God, Father is God, Jesus is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. They're all three God. They're all three God. All join in conveying this covenant. We see the absolute subjection, but the absolute silence in verses 4 through 16. The voice of God spoke on. What, how did Abraham react? In pride? No, he lay prostrate before God. What does prostrate mean? Flat on his face. When's the last time you got, you got flat on your face before God? You say, preacher, that's a whole lot of humility. You really want to know something from God? You really want to get something from God? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, the Bible says, and he shall lift you up. This man's 99 years old. He's not a spring chicken anymore. He's 99, and he gets down on the, just flat as a fritter before God. Why? Because he really wants to hear from God. Dear friend, if you get to the place in life where you're desperate, you'll get on your face before God too. When the doctor says it's cancer, you'll get on your face too. When, doc, when God says, hey, you know what? Your time might be coming to an end. Remember Hezekiah? He wept and cried. And God saw his tears. And Isaiah came back and said, you got 15 more years of life, brother. Oh, dear friend, when trials come, when, when troubles come, Abraham was desperate. He knew Ishmael wasn't the answer. He knew Ishmael wasn't the answer. So there was absolute subjection, absolute silence. He was listening to God. The best thing to do before God is listen to God. We, as a people, tend to talk too much. Did you hear what I said to you? We, as a people, tend to talk too much. The Bible says, he that keepeth his mouth and tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Even a fish, if it kept his mouth shut, would be okay. Be quiet. Sometimes it's just be quiet. Get before God. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Hey, when you're having your devotions, turn this thing off. It, it, it might be a temptation if you're trying to use this as your Bible. Because that little notification from social media come up, and the temptation is to want to hit that. Right? Best thing to do is turn that thing off. Pick this thing up and start reading it. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. Best thing to do that, be still. Best, best time for me is early in the morning before my wife's up, before the kid's up. The cats are already up because actually it's their house. I just live in there. It's their house. I just live there. They've been up all half the night. They sleep all day and they're up all the night trying to keep me awake. So, you know, I'm used to that. But the best you can, get in silence and be still before God. Listen to him. You can't listen to him and look at Facebook at the same time. You can't listen to him and listen to heavy metal at the same time. You can't listen to him and listen to George Jones and Waylon Jennings and everybody else. 
I better stop right there. I'll start preaching on something else. You got to be quiet before God. If you're listening to other voices, you can't hear his voice. Listen to what he has to say to you. You ought to be like Samuel. Speak, Lord, for thy servant hears. My friend, if you go to God in the morning of devotions and you don't get anything out of it, you might want to go back again. You ask the Lord before you get into his word, show me something. You see, friends, he wants to show you something from his word more than you want to hear it. That's why, he, that's why the Bible was written, to communicate to us so we would get it, so we would learn it, so we would heed it, so we would live it. In absolute silence, Abraham's on his face, prostrate before God. The substance of his, prob- of his promise in verses 4 through 8, we note that there was a principle involved. There are at least 24 such statements in this chapter. He says, I will, ye shall. He's making, he's making a connection. He's making a covenant. It's an absolute, this, un, this Abrahamic covenant is an absolute, unconditional, binding, irrevocable agreement in which all the initiative, all the intent, and all the insistence are God's. It has nothing to do with Abraham. It has everything to do with God. And now you know what that's how salvation is too. Once you get saved, friend, you can't get unsaved. (laughs) Once you get in God's family, you can't go to hell even if somebody tells you to go to hell. You're saved. Now, you might be out of fellowship with God. If you live in disobedience, you're out of fellowship with God, but you're still in the family of God. There's a difference between relationship and fellowship. A lot of people get that mixed up. They think, well, man, I sinned one time. I lost my salvation. If that's true, I lost mine a million times and got it back and got it back a million times. No, dear friend, God's no Indian giver. He didn't give it to you and give it and take it back. Give it to you and take it back. Get it. You earned it. No, you didn't earn it. You didn't get it. No. Saved. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You either have it or you don't have it. You either saved or you're not saved tonight. There is no in-between and there is no purgatory. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. That's, that's everybody. Don't let anybody tell you any different. This is absolute. The substance of the promise. The principle involved. There are people involved. Verse It says, for as me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. The person is Abraham. The people is his seed like any other contract. The great agreement is careful, specifying exactly who is to benefit in his clauses. Abraham and the Jewish people are the benefactories. There's a period involved. In verse 7, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed and after thee and thy great generations for an everlasting covenant to be with to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. So it wasn't just to Abraham. It was, to, it was eventually to Isaac, then to Jacob, and to, and to every, seed, every person after him, until and even unto this day. And even unto this day. The, the, the Jewish people are, are still under the Abrahamic covenant. And dear friend, just like it was promised, just like it was promised to Abraham, it will be fulfilled. It shall be fulfilled. We see the people involved, the period involved, the place involved. I will give you this, to thee, to this seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. The land of Israel, I don't care what the Palestinians do. 
I don't care who invades what, whatever land they have or what, whatever land. When Jesus comes back after those seven years of tribulation, the land will be Israel. He will sit on David's throne and reign and rule with a rod of iron for a thousand years. It's going to happen, just like he said. So we see the substance of the providence, but the seal of the promise. First, we note the implications. This is my covenant, which shall keep between me and, and you and thy seed. After that, every man or child shall be circumcised. It shall be a token of the covenant between, betwixt me and you. Circumcision, as a religious rite, is a meaningless to us, not included in the agreements of the term. So it's not talking to us as Gentiles. If you look in the Old Testament, in the New, excuse me, in the New Testament, many of the Judaizers, the Jews, tried to say, well, unless you've been saved and circumcised, you cannot receive the promise. Dear, dear friend, that's, the, the circumcision is, is not for us. Now, it doesn't mean we as uh, Gentiles cannot be circumcised, talking about men, talking about males. It's still people still are circumcised today. But circumcision or non-circumcision has nothing to do with your salvation. Just like baptism or non-baptism has nothing to do with your salvation. Taking communion or not taking communion has nothing to do with your salvation. Or, or joining a church has nothing to do with your salvation. Now for the Jews, it's a symbolic thing. It's a spiritual symbol. We notice implementation. And he that is eight year, days old, he shall be circumcised among you. Every male child in your generations, I think that's still happens today why is the eight why is the number eight so so significant interesting enough i study it is the number of resurrection the number of a new beginning in music the eighth note is the same as the first note only an octave higher in israel a child was born lived a full week and then on the eighth day was circumcised it was a symbolic way of bringing the child under the abrahamic covenant it did not automatically make him a child of God, as Paul proved in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, which we discussed. So we see the implementation, but also the importance. And the uncircumcision male child shall be cut off from his people hath, and hath broken my covenant. Verse 14. You say, well, what if they didn't do that? What if they didn't obey God? What if they didn't do what, what God had told them to do? Then basically God says, if you won't do what I want you to do, you're not part of my kingdom. You're not part of my inheritance. This is a sign of our agreement. This is a sign of my covenant between you and me. I want you to follow me. I want you to listen to me. I want you to obey me. And if you're not, you'll be cut off. Dear friend, that has a practical principle in our life, how we need to adhere to what God says in our life, how we need to listen to the Holy Spirit, how we need to find ourselves listening to words of wisdom in our life and obeying God. So we see this spirit of promise next. And God said in verse 15, Unto Abraham and Sarah, Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall bear her name, and I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. And yeah, I will bless her, and she shall have a, be a mother of na nations, kings of people. And well, in other words, there's not going to be any more Hagars. <laughs> there's not going to be any more Plan Bs or Plan Cs or Plan Ds. No, Abram, you are going to have a child, not through another scapegoat, not through another woman, but from Sarah. You're going to have a child. So we see, letter B, how the covenant was believed. The laughter of faith. How did Abraham res respond to this, uh, this prediction by God, this prophecy of God? Then Abraham, verse 17, fell on his face and laughed. 
and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old, and Sarah that is ninety years old bear? Can you imagine that? God came to Abraham after he'd been waiting nearly 25 years, and now when his body is frail, when he's coming to feel like the end of his life, God comes to him and says, now, now you're going to have a child. About a year from now, you're going to have a child. How does, how does he respond? He laughs. You ever, you ever hear somebody say to you, and it just hits you so hits you like you just have to laugh? He thought to himself, there's no way. There's no way possible. Humanly speaking, it was not possible. But dear friend, with God, all things are possible. You may be looking around in your life and say, God, this is impossible. My relationship with my husband, it's impossible. Our finances, our credit card debt, it's impossible. My my work situation, it's impossible. Our nation under our current leaders, it's impossible. Dear friends, with God, anything's possible. Quit, quit focusing what you can't do and start thinking about what God can do through you. It was impossible, humanly speaking. And I can't blame the old boy for laughing. It was laughable. Imagine his friends and family came by and say, well, is she showing yet? Should I get a blue dress or, 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 or pink? Uh, are you, are, are, you know... You're 90, you're 90 some years old here, Sarah. You know, I think your time's over with here. It, you know, you might want, uh, did you just dream this? Was this some fantasy? Was this some joke? What are you talking about? You're, you're now, you went from name, call me Abraham, which is the father of many nations. You went from being a father now to a father of many nations. Is this a sick joke? You're 99 years old, man. How are you going to have a kid? Well, humanly speaking, you can't. But with God, you can. Many a person I've seen in life in difficult situations. I thought when I looked over there and Brother Nate and I saw him sleeping out there or sleeping over there, I thought, that poor boy, he's in bad shape. I said, that, that, that guy, how's he ever going to do anything for God? I mean, he's, he's sleeping out there underneath the portico of the church. He's a, he, don't, he, don't ha, he has nothing. He'll be nothing. And, and, and humanly speaking, most folks in that situation... Oh, they're probably, they're probably getting themselves in worse trouble, humanly speaking. But dear friend, God can do anything. Now he's studying for the ministry up in Atlanta. What? God can do anything. God can do anything. Do you believe God can do anything? Do you have faith to believe? If, dear friends, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, Jesus said you can move mountains. Do you have faith to believe? Or you be like that, 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 that father who said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We need to have belief. He, he, he laughed out of sheer, I can't believe this is true. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4, verse 19, being, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. His body at 99 was dead. But when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He staggered not. You ever stagger? You ever get up in the morning when you're about half awake and you start staggering? You know, you, you feel like you're about half, about half fall. Or you ever worked hard? You get to the end of the day, you feel like you just stagger into your house because you've worked so hard. 
The Bible says about Abraham, he didn't stagger. He didn't waver about this at this time of his life. Oh, he had in the past, but now he comes to the place in his life where his faith was full in trusting God. He was trusting. John Bunyan was a man who knew how to transform gloom into gladness in his own Puritan way. He tells of the long days when he lay under terrible conviction of sin. I lay long at Sinai, he said, and saw the fire and the cloud and the darkness. He meant, of course, that he was long under the burden of the law, long under the conviction of sin, long troubled by his utter inability to produce anything above himself to please God. He came to deliverance, and when his soul was set free, the vision of Sinai was replaced with the vision of Zion, says Bunyan. And with all, the 12th chapter of Hebrews was set before my eyes. That was a good night for me. I had a few better. I could scarce lie in my bed for joy and peace and triumph. He was like Abraham, and the full import of what God had in store for him first burst upon his soul. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. Wow. We see the logic of his faith, verse 18. Faith says, if God can bless me like that, he can bless other people too. See, was it just a promise to Abraham? Actually, it takes two, amen? Sarah too. So it's not just Abraham. God was going to have to bless Abraham, and God was going to have to bless Sarah too. He was going to have to do a miracle work in Abraham's body. He was going to have to do a miraculous work in Sarah's body. We see the plea for Ishmael, verse 18, and Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before me. He said, Well, you know, I had this child. He felt, I think he felt obviously responsible. Well, he should for Ishmael. What's going to happen to Ishmael? God, you promised me the seed. I'm entering this covenant with you. But I had a child by this woman, Hagar. What's going to happen to Ishmael? He wanted something for him. He had a care as he should as a father. We see the plea, we see the pledge in verse 19. And God says, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son. Indeed, thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant with his seed after him. But as for Ishmael, I have heard thee, behold, I blessed him and make him fruitful, multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget. I'll make him a great nation. Ishmael shall be great. Oh, he's become a, a large people today, hasn't he? The, the, the Arab people stretches from Atlantic to the Persian Gulf. Someone says that the people embraces some 17 of the most strategic place, economic wealth countries in the world. Have they been blessed? They have. They have. They have enlarged themselves. But the promise wasn't coming through Ishmael. The promise was coming through Isaac. You see, the life of faith, the life of faith, verses 20 through 27, the life of faith is a life, in essence, of a life of obedience to the known will of God. Abraham believed. God had revealed to Abraham the need for circumcision. Strange to us, of course, as Gentiles, but again, this was a sign of the covenant between the Jewish people and God. Abraham at once said about putting the seal to the covenant. He didn't talk to his wife about it. He didn't talk to other people about it. He didn't gather all the men who which obviously would be affected in a great will about it. He just said, it's the will of God. I've heard what God said. And I'm going to do it. Oh, that we would get back to just sure obedience of God. Obedience is doing what you're told, when you're told, with the right attitude. And dear friend, that's true of a two-year-old and a 92-year-old. Obedience is the same. When God said it, it settles it. Whether you believe it or don't believe it, or feel like it or don't feel like it, it just settles it. Do we obey that way? 
even when it doesn't make sense. We see the life of faith, a limitless obedience. In the first place, there was the complete parental obedience in verse 23. And Abraham took Ishmael, his son. The first thing he did, did was say, okay, son, I know you're 13 years old, and this may seem strange to you, but this is what God said, and it's exactly what, what we're going to do. Not only that, was the patriotic obedience, and Abraham took all that born in his house. There was a parental obedience. There was Ishmael. Then there was all that was in his house. All of his house. What was he doing? He was saying, okay, it's going to first start with my house. Then it's going to start with, every, with, with Ishmael. Then everybody in our house. It was per, uh, patriarchal. Thirdly, it was position obedience. And Abraham took all that were bought with his money. Not just Ishmael. Not just everybody in his house. But everybody that was in his home. All those who were part of his home. Sure, there would be people there that had been bought and paid for. Servants. In his house, everybody that was influenced by Abraham, everyone in his house, everybody that he hired, every person that he influenced in his place went through this covenant. The Bible says Abraham took all that were brought with his money, every male among the men Abraham's house, and circumcised them in the selfsame day and got as, as God said unto him. And then he said, okay, it's Ishmael, it's my house, it's my servants, but then it's me. See, it's one thing to say in obedience. Everybody, all you folks obey, but I'm not going to obey. <laughs> no, Abraham said, you know what? I'm 99 years old, and I'm going to obey God too. Parents, that's why it's important for all of us, for us just to say, well, you, you kids obey, but I'm not going to obey. That's why we all, obedience is a personal decision for every person. It's not whether that person obeys or that person obeys or that person obeys. No, dear friend. A, a relationship with God is a personal relationship of obedience in every area of our life. I don't obey because someone obeys or disobeys. I might be influenced by their decision, but I choose to obey God because it's right. Not because somebody else does it or, or doesn't do it. If you live in obedience to God based on how other people obey, dear friend, your Christianity be like this. You choose to obey God because it's right, not because everybody else does it or doesn't not do it. So we see a limited ordinance, a limited ordinance. The stay of the rebellious man, the Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised. In the standing of the righteous man, the same day, Abraham circumcised an Ishmael, his son, and all the men of his house. All the men of his house. Everyone. I say, this is strange. This is strange. This is, it is for us. Remember, this circumcision was a covenant between God and the Jewish people. But oftentimes, as you read the Bible, God will come by and ask people to do something that is strange. I mean, ultimately, here in a couple chapters, we're going to talk about Abraham and taking his son, his only son Isaac, up to be sacrificed. After 25 years, God tells Abraham, take your son and take his life. That's kind of strange. That's kind of strange. You go throughout the scriptures, he tells Moses, who's basically a sheep herder, to go to Egypt and rescue these millions of people and take them and be a leader to them through the Red Sea. That's kind of strange. <laughs> and then he, he tells, he, if you read Isaiah, I'm, I'm in Isaiah and Jeremiah, he tells Isaiah to walk around naked and barefoot. Read it. Read it for yourself, Isaiah. He tells him that. You know, that's kind of strange. 
he tells Jeremiah to wear a linen girdle. That's kind of strange. He tells Jesus Christ to die for sinners who will hate him, who will mock him, who will speed up, spit, in, spit on him, who will laugh at him, who will beat him, and ultimately they will kill him. That's kind of strange. For God to send his only son to be murdered by people who he created? That's strange. That's real strange. God will ask you to do things that sometimes don't make sense. He wants a boy who's a Clemson fan to go to a Gator game and wear Gator colors and say, you want a schedule? Oh, man. That's strange. And some of you Florida State folk and some of you Alabama folk, and don't make a difference what your colors are. Because really the difference, those colors don't really matter. All the only color matters is red. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. And I want to see some other people be red too, amen? That's all that really matters because all those other colors will one day be gone. Oh, those things are strange. Are you willing to do the strange for God? The unique, the unusual, the different? Oh, I'm sure people looked at Abraham and saw what he was doing and thought, that guy's crazy. You know what he was doing? Exactly what God wants you to do. Exactly what God wanted him to do. And if you obey, if you listen to God and you follow God, he's going to ask you to do some things that to the rest of your family seems crazy, seems strange, seems different, doesn't make sense. But dear friend, it may be exactly what God wants you to do. Listen to what God says. Quit listening to what society says. Quit listening to what your so-called friends say. Sometimes you've got to even forget what your family says. You've got to listen to what God says and follow him. Follow him. Father, we thank you, God, for this wonderful, wonderful biblical account of Abraham who was given this covenant this Abrahamic covenant, and, do, and then after that was given the, the ritualistic rite of circumcision, not to be done not just to his children, to his family, to those who employed by him, but to, even to himself, which was a sign of a covenant between him and, and God. Thank you, Lord, that he was obedient to something to us that seems somewhat strange. God, help us to be obedient to you. Help us to listen to that still, small voice. And tune out all other voices. May we choose every day by the grace of God to get alone with you. To put the phone away. To put the music away. Put, to, but just get with God and listen to your voice. And say, Lord, what would you have me to do today? What is God calling you to do? Maybe someone today say, preacher, God's called me to do something, but I haven't been doing it. Or... I've not been listening to what God has called me to do. I've not been listening to instruction. I've been going my own direction. I've been doing my own thing. And because of those things, you're finding yourself in trouble. Because you're not listening to God. You're not listening to the wisdom of godly men. You're doing it your way and you're finding yourself in trouble. You're finding yourself in, in a bad situation. Dear friend, God wants you to come back and recognize that you're wrong and follow him. Follow him. Let's stand to our feet this evening.
I hope today you're saved. I hope there's been a time in your life you place your faith in Christ. If not, I hope by ch- with childlike faith you'll come forward and ask Christ to be your Savior. But if you know Christ, if you know Christ for your Savior, maybe you're struggling in the area of your life. Maybe it's obedience or simply not spending time with God. Or maybe you've made some bad decisions recently in your life because you didn't listen to wisdom. You did it your way, and you find yourself in a mess like Abraham does. I said a just man falls seven times and rises up again. But, dear friend, you might need some help. You need some encouragement. Don't do it alone. Don't live this Christian life alone. That's the worst failure you can ever make in this life. Seek help. Seek guidance. Seek the Lord. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. Ask for God's guidance in your life. As the piano plays, maybe you make your way to this old altar and ask for help in your life. You may be in trouble. Your family your friends, your situation. Maybe God's asking you to do something. You just need strength to do it, grace to do it, whatever it need be. Would you obey God tonight? The sweet Holy Spirit speaks to you. Would you listen? Would you obey? Whatever God's asking you to do tonight, I beg you, I plead with you. Listen. Trust and obey. Trust and obey.